2: name's flop james flop welcome to flop culture Welcome back to Flop Culture, a podcast where we mainly talk about flops, but we also talk about bops, pop culture, celebrities, everything in between. My name is Fionnuala J. am delighted to have you along for the ride. If you're new and you're confused as to what constitutes a flop. Never fear, you can hear me break it down on the very first episode of Flop Culture with DJ Louis the Fourteenth. A great episode if you haven't listened yet. Uh, If you're not new, I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Quick correction corner right up top. That Bling Ring documentary that we talked about is on all four, so you can stream that over here. It is technically streaming on American Netflix, so I was technically right, but I was also technically wrong, and it's important to acknowledge those things. Um, So go forth. And watch if you haven't already. Uh, before we get into this week's flop with my wonderful guest, let's take a look at the news. Molly Mayhague is having a baby. Wow, talk about Keelam on Creed's impact, am I right? Uh, Molly Mae Haig is having a baby with Tommy Fury. They obviously met on Love Island. So this is particularly exciting for me. Shared the news on Instagram this week with the video showing a clip of Haig saying, I can't wait for the adventures that we haven't even dreamed of yet from her finale speech during their time on the dating show in 2019. Season five, love prevails. I wonder what they will call it. That's what I have been thinking about this last week or so because I'm thinking they might do like an amalgamation of the two names and I saw someone else on Instagram pointed out that you know their names together already are mommy. It's pretty convenient given that they have decided to have children. So I was trying to come up with a combo of their names. So I was thinking maybe Monty Cam, Molten Peace. Anyway good for them. I love Love Island baby. All very posy. Less positive news in a way, I suppose I feel neither positive nor negative about this story. Um, more men, cheating, what a concept. The try guys, do you know them? Are you familiar with them? Have you been scratching your head this past week looking at the news cycle and looking at what has been trending on the internet and have you been feeling quite old? Uh that's fair because I think this story is bamboozled. You're either in on one side of the camp, right? This is either devastated you, shook you to your very core, or you have been Googling what is a Try Guy, right? Uh, so they are a comedy group called the t- Try Guys. They got their start actually in Buzzfeed. And I mean, essentially the, the clue's in the name. It's just them kind of doing things. So the group is made up of Four guys, four guys trying things. Ned Fulmer, Keith Habersberger, Zach Cornfield, Kornfeld, excuse me, Zach Cornfeld, and Eugene Lee Yang. They were video producers at BuzzFeed. and They started a new series in 2014 in which they would go and try stuff. So it was like you trying on women's underwear, getting their sperm count checked. A recent one that I just saw fully from the algorithm searching was one of them went and tried everything at a specific buffet. Um... And they became hugely popular off the back of that series, kind of made a name for themselves. They left BuzzFeed in 2018, formed their own production company called Second Try. Uh, And it's just grown and grown and grown since. Uh, They've nearly two dozen employees as of 2021. And most recently, they had a show on Food Network called No Recipe Road Trip. That premiered uh, literally August of this year, right? So let's go back to Ned. Ned. Ned is one of the aforementioned Try Guys, um, but he has now since been ousted from the Try Guys. He is no longer allowed to be a guy or to try uh, because he had a consensual workplace affair. And this news came out after photos of him kissing this employee that worked, I think, at Second Try or was some way involved, whatever way, with the Try Guys. Um, photos of them kissing were leaked on Reddit. So fans had kind of already tweaked something was up because on their most recent videos, he's caught out of a lot of them. He's caught out of images for their merch launches, everything like that. So people thought something was up, right? So uh, by the time of recording, we'll just say this week anyway, the guys released a statement saying, Ned Fulmer is no longer working with the Try Guys as a result of a thorough internal review. We do not see a path forward together. We thank you for your support as we navigate this change. Uh, Ned came out with a statement of his own saying, family should always have been my priority, but I lost focus and had a consensual workplace relationship. I'm sorry for any pain that my actions may have caused to the guys and the fans, but most of all to Ariel, who is his wife. He added, the only thing that matters right now is my marriage and my children, and that's where I'm going to focus my attention. Ariel Fulmer his wife wrote thanks to everyone who's reached out to me it means a lot nothing is more important to me and Ned than our family and all we request right now is that you respect our privacy for the sake of our kids why is this significant I hear you ask because as we learned literally from last week's episode people cheat on each other all the time that doesn't make a right it's a pretty commonplace you know thing that happens regrettably for some I think what has made this or what separates this and what has, I mentioned the fan base being totally devastated by this. If you're not familiar with the Troy guys, Ned had kind of built this personality around being a wife guy, which is internet slang for one of those people who insufferably talks about their wife, mentions their wife on constantly going on about their wife. If you even look at their videos which are monetized on YouTube, one of them on their secondary channel is literally titled every time Ned Fulmer says my wife not aged well and then you have other like fan compilations best moments of Ned talking about his wife Ned and Ariel being absolutely perfect they co-wrote a cookbook together in 2021 the date night cookbook if you're to go through his tweets and search for the word wife you will get umpteen results um, it was kind of an in-joke for the fan base and even within the group themselves, because the wives even have their own separate, they're referred to as the tri-wives within <laughs> the, the community. What if aliens came down right now? And I had to try and explain this to them. That's what I'm imagining. imagining. Someone up there on Mars has an internet connection. And is like, you know what? I wanna hear, I wanna listen to whatever these podcasts are called about flops. And they have to hear me try and explain this absolute insane, inane internet nonsense. But anyway, I think Vulture put it best. I saw this in their Instagram capture when they were sharing about the drama and kind of giving a breakdown on it. They said, it's a morality tale the internet keeps having to learn again and again. Don't bestow made up values on parasocial celebrity relationships and don't make wife guy your whole personality. So there we go. Who's to say where they're going to go from here? Are the guys going to keep trying? They're literally a try of guys now because there's three of them. Are they going to get a new guy? Is there going to be auditions for them? What's the screening process going to be like? Do you cheat on people? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Maybe you should audition for uh, the promiscuous guys, Adam Levine's new band. (laughs) I don't know. I, it is really interesting when you look at that take of why, because it's not that interesting. It really isn't. It's only that people had this idea of him based on a brand he built for himself and his wife and his family. But also why did we feel a need to, and I say we, I like, I did not participate in this at all. I was familiar with them. I haven't really, I wouldn't consider myself a fan or being a part of their community. But I suppose why did the people who were engaged in that community feel a need to put that standard on him and then are so shocked when something like this comes out? Mad tit. It is absolutely mad. Uh that was kind of it. I listened to the Hayley Bieber caller daddy podcast and didn't really glean anything that interesting, to be honest. And I really actually don't mean that as a dig at her, but I just and nothing I didn't nothing was said that I didn't already know, bar maybe that she has spoken to Selena Gomez, Justin Bieber's ex-girlfriend, since herself and Justin got married. Um, But even at that, I'm a bit like, okay, I don't know. I was surprised she got into some of the sex questions as much as she did. But beyond that, as I find with most caller Daddy interviews, that trailer will get you in and then you listen. And there's not a lot of uh, meat in the bones per se in terms of content. Anyway, let's talk flops, shall we? My next guest is one of the funniest comedians in Ireland right now probably ever and only one of two straight men that i've invited onto this season of flop culture he should be so honored his pick is a movie that seems to be getting its day in the sun among james bond fans and beyond over 50 years after its initial release so here he is to talk the sixth bond movie on her majesty's secret service i'm delighted to be joined on flop culture this week by the wonderful peter McGann. (laughs) Peter Morgan, thank you so much for joining me on Flap Culture.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Um, I I'm gonna be honest, right? So when I emailed you and put the pitch out to you and you came back to me with your pick, I was a bit scared because I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like this. It's just not really for me. But I'll tell you what, I fucking loved this. What'd you pick for anyone listening at home?
1: I picked the James Bond film on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Oh, and... it's so good. So good. It is unbelievable. And I looked at it, I, it is actually technically not a flop in terms of like losing money, but it made way less money than it should have. And it's all tied into your man George Lazenby, the who plays Bond. That's what kind of, the idea of him being the flop, I guess, rather than the, the actual film.
2: Yeah. When did you watch it? When did you first encounter on mm-hmm. Her Majesty's Secret Service?
1: Years ago, Network 2. Would oh God, do a,
2: I, That's where everyone watches all the Bond movies. Wednesday
1: yeah. nights would do like the Bond seasons and uh, I watched it there but I I remember it like so I obviously stopped watching it up to a point so like my memory of it was this really long boring film where not much happens and and uh,
2: that's every child's understanding yes, of Bond, I think. exactly. And there's like sexy ladies and they'd be kissing. Oh, oh yeah. God, and then it's yeah. like, uh, yeah, then there's a bit of shooting and then there's That's really the boring bits in
1: the middle. the child yeah. Pete wanted was just the <laughs> shooting and the gadgets. But uh, that was my first thing of it. And then I got really into Bond in that kind of really sad, nerdy way. Okay. Uh, a few years <laughs> later. And then that film had a re- not a good reputation. And then I, I watched it and then over the years, I was like, this is kind of the best one in a weird way. But I think it is the best one because your man, no one had any faith in him whatsoever. Uh, none of the guys making it. So they put all the, in a way that they hadn't been doing with the other films, they put all their kind of effort into making everything else around it, him better. So like the actors and the sets and the action or whatever. So I think that's why, even though it's considered lesser or, you know, not a, fail, a failed attempt, I think it's like good because of that almost
2: yeah because that's it like my my only knowledge of this movie was like George Lazenby was like an eternal table quiz answer in my head you know <laughs> like who's the only Bond who's only ever done it once yeah like I'd never watched the movie I'm not a big Bond person admittedly at all I think I've watched all of Daniel Craig's Spur, Spectre mm-hmm. and then I have a vague memory of watching Pierce Brosnan and the Halle Berry one oh, ages yeah. and ages ago um, and then I've watched bits of the others and it's not that you know I feel like some people have like very strong opinions on Bond and the, like especially now where it's like it's so outdated yeah. and, like whatever blah blah we need to make more work whatever Um, but I just I, it, it was always one of those like franchises that it's like if it's on at Christmas I'll watch it I can absolutely understand the appeal of it because especially in the modern day like it's very slick a lot of action hot people should tick all the boxes for me um, but this was very interesting and kind of not what I was expecting at all from Bond. Can you run people through like the rough plot?
1: I will. First of all, without spoiling it, did you know the ending, the kind of famous ending? No,
2: endings? I did. And when I said I said it to producer Adam coming in when I said this was the topic, he was like, "Is that the one where?" And I and he said it, and I was like, "Yeah, what the
1: fuck like yeah, it?" I know. And again, I watched it last night. You kind of forget just how abrupt it is.
2: We will spoil it at the end. Oh, yeah, so if 100%. you want to if you want to watch it, this is your spoiler warning now, okay? Yeah, yeah. Just FYI. But yeah, I was gooped and gagged, to yeah. be honest. But that kind of made me love it even more. Because it was just like, I don't know. It was like it's a bit of a head fuck of a movie
1: in the best way. Completely. And like I can't imagine being in the cinema back then, like 969, seeing that. After the last you have the first few Bond movies, and then you've got this whole new actor in playing it and then it gives you exactly what you expect. And then like the most shocking kind of ending. Like it must have been mind blown. But uh, I, yeah, it's about basically it. So George Lazenby, Connery was did the first, you know, made the role and he did a couple of films and he got, was checked out. He didn't want to do it anymore. So he quit. And then they got this like non-actor. He was like a model. He was in like what are those chocolate bars, you know, the mint kind of.
2: Uh, arrow no, Hershey's? No, it no, sounds
1: like Hershey's.
2: Fry, no, fries, 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 yes. fries cr- they're cream, yeah, yes. they're vegan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. was, oh. They might not have been back then, but they are now. There you go. There's, <laughs> there's exist, another but... bit uses a information for <laughs> everybody. C- <laughs> I like
1: it. So he was vegan, he was a vegan model. No, he, uh, he was doing, I think that his, his one on screen thing was like a fries commercial. Yeah. And then he had he looked the part, they got him in, they did screen tests forever. They're like, I guess they must have thought that the part at this stage, was so iconic that they could probably just kind of find someone who looked the part and then just kind of...
2: That it wouldn't matter as long as they were like handsome and exactly. fit a certain... Breed, which he does. Like he, he, does. he I think he looks absolutely looks the part of his band.
1: chin dimple. i kill for it.
2: Oh, the, yeah, the bomb chin. I could not stop looking at it. I the was bum like, chin is exactly oh... What it is. Anyway, yeah, obsessed.
1: But I'd say another thing, ironically for Outdoor I'd say they were like... They didn't want to have another Connery thing on their hands where they get an actor in who's like who starts to get ideas above their station. So they probably got this lad there like, he's just going to be happy for the work, uh, or for the role. And he, uh, but they just stack the deck so much in the film's favour. Because basically the, the, uh, what is it, the common kind of thing is like, oh, how good would it be if it was Connery? Yeah. Like, the book, it's it's one of the best books that they based the film off. And like, they stuck real close to the book, which it hadn't really done for the last few films. And so it's more like character than the last few but it was uh yeah the idea is like oh, imagine an actor like Connery doing that part it would be way better but I don't think it would have been because I don't think they would have made the effort because they got Connery back for the next one and it's like the laziest most like self-satisfied one it's like diamonds are forever so like they were clearly just like oh all we need is either Connery in it to just go around and do the shtick or actually make an effort when they don't have him so like the film itself it's like it's the most ridiculous plot. Like, could you follow it? Like, I was watching last night I was like, I've seen it so many times.
2: It was a, yeah, like, sometimes I'd be tuned out if I was doing something for work and it was like, something about earlobes. I was like, right, I need to go back now because I've just missed it. And then he gets to the clinic and like all the sexy girl I was like, I'm back in. Yes, I don't care what's going on. This looks so good. This is so camp. I love it. Like, it's demented. But I suppose, that like, Bond isn't known to be realistic. You know what I mean? At all. Throughout the whole franchise. So, I mean whatever like leave your leave those kind of expectations at the door i suppose
1: exactly and like that's what i think the f- is so impressive about it is like it can pull off an ending like it has and then it also has like the bad guy's plan is to hypnotise a load of hot women from different parts of the world to go off it like it's awesome parachute shit to go off into the world and like unleash like uh, bacterial warfare or something like basically a virus that makes everyone uh, sterile so like that's what you're dealing like it's you're dealing with tones that could not be further from each other but I think it pulls it off like again it's like what people don't like about this film but I think I think, I think it works all works but like uh, yeah so it's like typical Bond thing He's hunting down Blofeld, the kind of head villain of the first couple of films. And uh, mm. he kind of tracks him to this Switzerland where he's like trying to find out what he's doing. So he infiltrates him as a genealogist who's as because Blofeld's researching his family history or whatever. And which is all very believable. And uh, but the kind of the main kind of plot of the film or relationship with the film is he's he ends up hooking up with the daughter of this crime boss that's helping him track down Blofeld and she's this very kind of like independent kind of kind of tortured soul and she's played by Diana Rigg and up to that point like if you google any of the Bond girls in the other films there was always like Miss Italy 1963 never acted before never acted since like they just got in you know a beautiful woman of Mm -hmm. the moment kind of thing Uh, but this they got Diana Rigg who's like this stage actor like hardcore like gorgeous but like proper actor and again I you, you kind of feel like that was kind of to buffer him because She'd
2: buff- even said that herself in yeah. interviews that it was like because Lasmy was so inexperienced that like they needed her as this like
1: anchor Exactly like so their scenes wouldn't just kind of fall apart and like you, you need to sell the ending and all the rest of it, and that whole relationship because it's famous it's the one basically the one where Bond gets married the kind of famous fucking bachelor spy and this is the one where he falls in love and gets married which uh and so you need someone where it isn't just doesn't feel like they got, you know, someone from a you know like
2: Just someone in for the shag. Exactly, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah Which yeah.
1: is like there's they're in it. Yeah. In the, once he gets to <laughs> Switzerland, they're definitely in it. But uh <laughs> there's <laughs>
2: I sorry, I loved those scenes when he was just milling between the girls, telling them the exact same things. Yes. And she's writing the lipstick on his lip. I was like, Yes.
1: I know. It's so good It's like such a like British schoolboy's idea of like, what would happen if I went into this like uh, nest of beautiful women? Yeah, truly, like I'll like, oh, be horny for them. Yeah. like, oh my god. <laughs> and like they said, it's like they all they're there for allergies. But like they just, it's like oh, I'm allergic to chicken. That's the whole thing. Is like he's hypnotizing them to get them off their allergies. That's his like way of mm. controlling these women. But like, surely you can't if it's an actual allergy. You can't hypnotize someone because you're just going to have a reaction to it yeah, anyway. Yeah.
2: Just, just, you don't like... It's fully... Yeah, it's not a mental reaction. It's an actual <laughs> physical, exactly. physiological reaction. I mean, they're all getting the presents at Christmas and everything. And it's just... Oh, Aww. it's... It's bonkers. It but is, I love it. It is
1: absolutely bonkers. And I was watching And I was like, thinking to you when I was watching I was like, what am I on I right? like, <laughs> like, I f- forgot. Like, you forget so much for like, in the insane, like, 60s sexual <laughs> politics of it all. And like, kind of...
2: Look, I'm sure a lot of it wouldn't fly in today's world, but there's some of it it that I'm just like, let's just, like, let's just grab... It's more, I suppose, energy and, like, how it looks as well. It's, like, very, like... I don't know how to describe it because I don't have the filmmaker vernacular, but it's, like, very... Did you know, like, that gaudy, colourful... It's not Mm -hmm. what I expect from Bond. I feel like Bond with as it's gone on there's gone a bit sterile it's gone a yeah. bit like kind of too slick yeah. I suppose I kind of liked this because it got down to the brass tacks of like there's a man fundamentally there's a man on a mission he's in love He has. there's bad guys that's all I kind of want like we can leave the fucking gadgets and the yeah. you know the nooks and the crannies out of this and Which... I know other people really like that and I I just think there's a balance to be struck but I just I just thought I liked that it was a bit offbeat and a bit off-kilter in a
1: vertical nose. No, it is 100%. And like, even like structurally how the story's told, it's like, it's weird. Like, you, you know, you get to the the bad guy's lair halfway through and then there's a big escape from it. But mm. then they have to go back again. It's all like, there's kind of weird kind of jaggedy structuring. But the look of it, what you're saying is like the dr- director of it is the lad Peter Hunt. He was the editor of all the other ones. And I think this was like his first film he ever directed. I could be wrong on that. Definitely no more than the second, but I think it was his first. But it was like he did his kind of editing uh kind of role on the first couple and then they gave him the director film. So it just has a way better energy than the Connery ones and stuff, which were kind of, they're paced, you know, they're slower, they're kind of, everything's, you know, it, it just, they're less kind of dynamic, whatever, where you feel like he's directing it and he has the whole film in his head because he's an editor. So it's like transitions and, like, the pacings, the scenes. Like, no, there's no fat on it. Even though it is a very long film and it has, like, a lot of, like, s- characters and story or whatever. It doesn't... It actually moves. And I was watching it, I was like... Again, I thought I'd be way more checked out than I was because I knew it so well and seen it so many times. But I was bit into it. I was like... And it's because of his sense of pacing, which comes from being an editor, where everything is just... He's giving you all you need to know, you know, no more than that. And it's, like, moving like a rocket. And you kind of know where, you know, the geography... like when he's coming up on the helicopter to mm. the bad guy's lair and they point out where there's like a fault with the snow, the, whatever, the, the kind of the avalanche point and then they point out the bobsleigh thing and like everything then, all of that stuff comes into play later. So you're never confused. It's all like, everything is very laid out clearly in yeah. an editor's kind of mind. So I think that really helps. Yeah. And yes, and it has that kind of like the purples and the deep blues and reds, like that kind of, psychedelic 60s kind of vibe which can look dated and things but in this I think it works really well. Like I just the,
2: want to live in that like allergy gaff. Like that's
1: the dream. Yeah. The dream. I was watching, I was watching, I was like, he could probably just keep up the pretense of who he was and just have the crack with the women, and then just go back. And say, yeah, I didn't find it. I, I just, I loved
2: that whole thing—is just the undercover and like coming out in the shirt with all the ruffles, and all the girls are like, the draw, the jaws at the floor, yeah. like, and oh, it's it's so good. Let's talk a bit more about George and because again, my full understanding of this was because the movie did shit in inverted commas because it didn't. It like it made profit, made a lot of profit. It was mm-hmm. they, like I'm pretty sure it was the best performing movie of that year, mm-hmm. or one of them, anyway. But in, as you said, in comparison to the Connery ones, it didn't really do that well money-wise. Um, and it's had this, you know, like, like, critically kind of mixed for a while. It's kind of coming into a new light now. Mm-hmm. I put this down to, you know, they he only did one band because they were like, your shit, you're sacked. But he actually left while they were doing it. Talk yeah. to me about that.
1: Basically, yeah. So, like, I think he was, I think it was a difficult... Shoot with him. And I think they probably were kicking themselves a bit, but they, you know, it is an investment at the end. It's like that. You can't, the new bond is an investment and you can't, like, kind of, they're smart enough. They wouldn't want to walk away from it straight away, especially, you know, you kind of roll out the red carpet and the PR machine to build this guy up. And then just to kind of, you're kind of admitting fault almost if you, if they then just kind of went back on that. But yeah, he himself, he just kind of, he got it in his head. He's like, Bond, and you, when you hear it out loud, you're like, yeah, it is. Even, and it's kind of a testament to the, to the, to the team behind it, like the Broccoli's or whatever, because like, even in the 60s, even then, Bond was like, out of date. He was like this kind of 50s, post-war, World War II, like dinosaur of a character, like drinking, smoking, like Bachelor, who uh, works for, like... Literally, the, like, the queen. Like, literally. The, <laughs> literally, British, the,
2: the co- queen. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like, the t- clues in the title. So it's like, you cannot get a more, like, uncool, like, character than that. And he, j- but then obviously this was in the earlier stages of the series. So he could see the 70s on the horizon. And he had people in his ear that were just saying, it's like, this is not going to, this is not going anywhere. I think, he, I think it was like a five film contract. Which would make sense. I think he turned down signing a five-film contract, which, like, is in like insane. To You'd think.
2: never hear of that. To, like, it's this—it's no. become this badge of honor to be like. Mm-hmm. And I think that I feel like that was the thing when Daniel Craig took over the role, and it was just like all eyes on him, being like, "How many is he going to do?" And even I was kind of like counting them up as they were released. Not going to see them, but I was like, "Right, so yeah, he's yeah. on whatever number." Blah blah blah. Like it's. It's unheard of, like
1: oh completely unheard like and like guar- you're basically guaranteed like they're well they're guaranteed they're all gonna get made, you're guaranteed they're all gonna be hugely successful, mm. so it was't he just literally i don't know what kind of brazenness or like kind of defiance was in someone to be like like not turn- turn down that level of security or whatever i th- there was an his manager i was look, I didn't realize this until this last rewatch, his, his manager at the time was this Irish fella, Ronan O. Riley. Yeah. yeah. And he got in his ear about this and you're looking, you're reading up about this guy and you're like, this guy sounds like, like the ultimate, like kind of, like a uh, hustler kind of mentality. Oh, fully, but like, like yeah, fully. Like tied himself to all these kind of music movements and all the rest yeah. of it. But yeah, he got in his ear and he kind of, yeah, I'm sure there's other elements at play as well, but he basically was like, Bond is dead. You don't want to do this, back this horse. And Lazyby did it. And, uh, kind of stalled everything for him. Like yeah. he had a fairly non- non-notable acting career after that and a lot of it or at least a fair percentage of it was like kind of spoofing Bond or doing little Bond yeah. references so that must have hurt. by mm. like turning down the real thing and then just kind of getting cast in like these like rip-offs or spoofs as kind of making fun of the character you kind of walked away from because the production company couldn't afford Connery yeah. or Roger Moore to mm. do
2: and he'd even he'd even turned up to the premiere with like long like long hair yeah. and stuff and proper not looking like Bond like looking like that new age hippie dippy because he exactly. was just like I want to be so separate from it he did say in the article in the New York Times that I keep referencing like they have spoken to him since um, and he's kind of said now it's all also easy to say this you know because I'm sure there's a pride thing and everything else but he's mm-hmm. just basically said now he's acknowledged as well that like when, he, when you talk about his performance in the movie he's like I could have done better but you know mm-hmm. people were I'm paraphrasing here obviously but he was like I could have done better but like people were slagging me and I really didn't think I was that bad. I don't think he's that bad. No. Um, but he's also just said like you know he's been acting on and off all the time and you know he just didn't uh, the only regrets uh the only time I had regrets was when I was broke. He just said he didn't want to be known Mm -hmm. as James Bond, which Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like, I read that and I'm like, I love that you had that confidence just to talk, again, to step away from that because you would just never hear of it now. Even like now, like there's this whole conversation now, like you'll still get a million hits out of, a million hits, I sound 85 years old, but you'll still get like, if you're writing up an article now about who's in contention for the next Bond or like there's loads of talk around like Reggie Jean Page and like whether it's going to be a woman, blah, blah, blah. That's still such a conversation Mm -hmm. in mainstream media like it boggles my mind
1: Mm -hmm. no it is and I think if he was like if they had cast an actor I think that maybe that person would have more of a kind of a a realistic view of things and be like look I even if I don't want to be known as James Bond I still you know you know, this is good for me and like to walk away from it does not, there's no guarantee of anything just because the spotlight's on you now and there's a a hype around you now. But I think maybe because he wasn't an actor, maybe because he was really green, he was just like, well, this is how it's always going to be. Yeah. And I don't want to be Bond, so kind of walked away from it, which is kind of, I mean, I can't imagine he didn't kick himself. As you said, like, pride comes into it and like probably years and years and years down the line, but like, Maybe I'm just projecting, but like, I, I regret, like, we didn't, you know, turn it down like fucking voiceovers <laughs> for you like some, like, say? some like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, it's like, oh, I couldn't do this because I, whatever. And you're like, if you lost out on like that mm. and you saw where it went, you, surely that was like. Yeah, oh, surely it wouldn't this. be a little bit seething, like yeah. a
2: little bit seething. Why do you think it's having like another day in the sun now? Because like it's not, it's not, it's obviously it's 50 years, 50 odd since Mm. its release. Um, You obviously picked this, but there seems to be, like if you just Google it, like that conversation seems to be kind of like, it was like really unfairly maligned as a movie. Mm -hmm. Why is
1: that? I think it's because with the benefit now of the 50 odd years, you see how well it's aged as a film as in, like, again, the direction of it, the way it's edited and the style of it and, like, one of the best Bond songs, like, the, we've all time in the world. Like, I think it's because everyone can just... There's enough distance now between it that you can put Lazenby to one side and just appreciate everything else, which is at such a higher level, in my opinion, than pretty much every other Bond until, like, Royale. And, like, the quality-wise, it feels like a proper film with something to say... With a story to it, whereas the other bands, would to varying degrees, it's a for, they're all formulas. You know, there's a for, you know, ex, they, they, it's servicing nothing but the formula. Whereas this feels like, like there's a bit of blood in its veins, and it's an actual film. So I think that I think it's literally just the time that the last few decades have been that you can just kind of push him to one side and just kind of appreciate the component parts. And like it has like kind of like Steven Soderbergh and Christopher Nolan, like kind of respected.
2: Yeah, Soderbergh came and, you know. out and blogged about it and was like on uh, Diana Rigg basically saying that like she was the first Bond girl to not be a cartoon, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like she was an actually fully-fledged character person, which I, I think comes across, definitely. I
1: do too. Like again, like you're watching it and, and you're she's
2: like... she's still a lash, I will say oh as well.
1: Oh my God, her <laughs> outfits are so the, cool. With the
2: waving outfit, oh, yeah. it's just... Oh, the hell, anyway, yeah, we well, could be here all day, but oh, yeah, yeah no, it. She
1: is like, she. it is like, to, for my money, the best Bond girl, and it is—it's like she has the best Bond girl part. It's like the woman that he falls in love with, and all. But there's more to it than that. She's like, she's no Christmas fucking Jones. No. Let me tell
2: you, she's no relation of mine. Sorry, Denise Richards, fuck off. That is that's
1: <laughs> when you when you're kind of when you're kind of retrofitting a character's name to fit the one-liner, then you're in trouble.
2: Yeah, truly. Like what? Oh, yeah, deranged. Is it your favorite band? Yeah. Um, If you think George Lazenby isn't the worst Bond,
1: who is the worst Bond? I think he's the worst Bond. I do like... <laughs> what? No. what the hell is this whole podcast for? No, because I'll tell you, I think that the idea being that he's not terrible by any means, but like the film itself is redeemed because everyone's working hard around him.
2: Okay, that's fair. Him. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot like,
1: of moving parts. Yeah. I do think that he... I mean, like yeah, who, like there's Connery and Craig are tied as the best. Mm. Then you got Moore, who is like, if I was sticking something on of a Sunday afternoon, it's got to be a Roger Moore. Yeah, Timothy Dalton is solid, solid. Okay, and Brosnan is you know, solid. Like, lazy. <sighs> he is like, I. He do, is,
2: do, do we look at the? Do we look at that time period with like you know rose tinted glasses? Because obviously he's one of us. I suppose in as commas, he is Irish. I don't know why he did that. Do you know what I mean though? That whole thing of like a shirt support your own whatever but like...
1: No I mean he's there's some clangers in there. For me Brosnan is it's like when I started getting into Bond he was Bond. So those films I have no objectivity with.
2: Yeah fair. Okay fair fair fair.
1: Uh, But like I'd love like it's the I think they've aged the worst in a weird way. Like if you watch The World's Not Enough the kind of the, the suits he wears they're ju- like there's something timeless about like the '60s and even the '70s, mm-hmm. the suits and all the rest. Of it. But Brosnan just looked like he's gone to the AGM or something <laughs> like it. Like he's kind of like, like you know, like, it's like a blue shirt and then this kind of like kind of creamy like jacket and stuff, like oh, awful stuff. It's very hideous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very hideous. There's a sh- there's a bit where he's swimming in the world is not enough like to trying to disarm a bomb in a submarine or something, and he's. His shirt is tucked into like kind of cream chinos with a belt. <laughs> but he, and it's, it's blue, and he's swimming in it. And you're like, it's like you're looking at someone's dad swimming. <laughs> we, it's, it's some of the worst, it's the worst Bond's oh. ever looked like. But, uh, here,
2: dad's in the pool again. Exactly.
1: Follow collect him. But, uh, so. I think Lazy, like, he just doesn't, he can't sell a line, a one liner. He could, he's surprised, I think he's good at the, He's best at, like, kind of the dramatic, more dramatic stuff. I think it's when he has to be, like, cool, suave Bond, where he has to say a funny one-liner. I think that's where he doesn't have the real panache. Mm. But, like, he look, he's probably, the, inside of Connery, I think, yeah, he's the best-looking one.
2: Like he's 100%. A,
1: he's a slab of a man.
2: Yeah. Like, dazzling on screen. Mm-hmm. Like, very dazzling. What are your thoughts on the franchise, now and where do you see it going and where do you want to see it going because that seems to be again we talk about the ongoing conversation around it
1: we Idris Elba was right there but they just didn't go for it
2: but like okay do you actually think it should be Idris Elba yeah why explain your answer or reference to the text and I like I like I love Idris I feel like well actually I take your point I think there was a time where he would have been perfect I think we've missed that w- I think we've missed the window now.
1: I thought that, but then I kind of watched a couple of his films recently. Bond, ideally, and I don't, honest to God, they never had it after Connery. They are always like, handsome, cool men with a presence, but like Connery is like, electrifying in the first two. The re- then, he, then he's on autopilot. Connery gets basically all his goodwill from like the first three films. And then his, the, the three after that, he's just kind of autopilot, doesn't want to be there. But like, I think... Idris Elba has that like thing that he has where it's just like first of all, he's an he's actual dramatic actor, like a good actor. But also it's just like there's something like electric and like like better than us mortals that he has that I think mm. Connery has as well. So and like I th- like is he like you could get an old Bond out of it. Just, Bond doesn't have to be mad young every time. I don't think he How old he's is
2: he? Not, Sorry, the way I was saying it made 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 me made it seem like he's eight hundred years old, and it's not that. But I just think I don't know. I just there's a part of me that feels like we've been having the conversation for so long mm-hmm. that maybe
1: I'm just a bit fatigued from it. I don't know. It is, but like I, it is, it's, it is like a conversation where you're like,
2: what is he even girl. doing at the minute? Like he's a fucking Knuckles in Sonic, a great this role. I, went the no critique here for me. Sonic's number one fan, but he's not. Like I feel like he's even moved on from that. And I can appreciate yeah. that because I probably, you know, when your name is in the conversation the whole time and then it's just like, you're, because obviously we don't know what went on behind the scene, whether he did audition, screen test, yada yada, whether he was never interested mm-hmm. and your name is just constantly brought into it. I'd say there must be an element of like, I'm so fucking over this. Like I'm done. Like I, if my, whether my ring was in that or not, exactly. I'm
1: done. And also Daniel Craig seemed to hate it by the end. So he's probably looking at that and be like, life's too short, mm. <laughs> you know. Uh, I don't know, like, again, like, Like, who's the next Bond? It's gonna be, they're gonna have to do something that isn't the what it's been the last while. Like, they'll have to, they'll have to. What
2: about Reggie Jean Page? Did you watch Bridgerton? No. See, that's kind of the only reference. Like, he's in The Grey Man, which is coming out. Mm. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, so it might be out when it is out. Mm -hmm. But that's like blockbustery. Like, it's fucking Ryan Gosling. Yeah. One of the Chris's. I can't remember.
1: Evans, I think.
2: Yeah, the nice Chris. Um,. (laughs) You know, like that action, you know, like, so I think we'll kind of get a better, I, I'm wondering if that's like a dry run for him. Yeah. Um. Was there talks that you're one, and I don't mean to say her one, her name just escapes me in No Time To Die, that Lam- she was potentially moving into that? And that I'm going to Google her name while you talk.
1: That she, I think, I don't know, was that getting confused? She is 007 in the ne- next one, because, in the new one, because he's retired in it so 007 is her mantle
2: so that was just dummy media not uh, doing Maybe, the research
1: She Lynch yes. Lashana Lynch she uh, like she that would be I my take on it is that it is something else when it stops being a man
2: sexist <laughs> We got him.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we got him. No, not that it is often. I suppose it's like
2: I, I do, to like to clarify, I actually completely accept your point. I hate the whole thing of like make it making make it a woman. Write a story for a woman. That's she's that she's fucking a Bond character Do you know what I mean? Like it's not. Kind of, yeah. Or, or like. But to play devil's advocate, I do get the significance of like. What you know, gender identity? Gender is fucking boring. It doesn't exist. You know what I mean? So why can't it be a fucking woman or fe- like female presenting, whatever? Exactly. You know?
1: Oh, but like, and like one hundred percent. Like, is in it's? I suppose it's like the it's it's the character more than the person playing it that you're like. There are kind of fundamentals in my head, in my opinion, that just so like there's nothing to say. I don't know. You couldn't get an incredibly like a, like a, a woman could play it, but like. I, I I think there is like ways around it where you kind of keep the core of the character but I think it is the thing of like if you go kind of they kind of have to have the kind of fundamentals where they're you know a snob they drink too much they are a womanizer or a manizer manizer you know, there you know, go yeah uh, I suppose like I, I'm not against anyone playing it so long as kind, I suppose you're kind of you want to be able to watch it and be like ah there's the character that because it's not like there's any kind of mad continuity or like they haven't like you can pick it up from for, anywhere, any totally. story like, and start like, again, not yeah. like like, It's not like gospel or... I guess it's... Yeah, I don't know.
2: But it's like... I'm going to be honest as well. I don't think... And I'm not, not to make a massive sweeping generalisation here, but I don't think the audience would react well to... Because even when it... To whatever, to it not being, you know, the typical fucking... It needs mm. to be... Yeah, mm. I just don't think this is a massive, this is the only comparison I can make it to because it's my bread and butter. But like, when people talk about, you know, uh, making the pool of contestants wider for Love Island and having more, like, I absolutely think diversity and representation is important. Like, diversity, absolutely. But when we talk about, like, let's say, body size and whatever, Mm -hmm. I know the fan base is Mm -hmm. not, they're just, I know the reaction. Mm -hmm. And I think, having that diversity and inclusion actually doesn't mean anything if there's no safeguarding in place, yeah. which I think that is a difficulty that I think the Bond franchise has as well because it's like you can't just land someone in there knowing that the fan base is made up of predominantly straight white men yes, um, and knowing how they can sometimes react to things. Um, so I do get it. Um, I don't really know who I'd like to see. I'm trying to think who else is new on the scene that would fit that bill. Is there anyone else, any other wild cards in your head that you'd be like, be kind of gas?
1: This is not a wild card because it's it's literally what we were just talking about, the opposite of that. It's like going completely traditional. But uh, It's completely fine. I watched that show Bodyguard and Richard Madden and that. He's
2: always been in the conversation. Yeah. I was trying to think and I was getting him confused with Jonathan Bailey. Yeah, he'd be yeah. very good.
1: He's like, he's got it. Like the, those big shoulders and like his kind of, he just, he looks like, it's the most traditional pick I could make, but... He'd be there or uh, Wild Cards. I was <sighs> talking Dev Patel for a while, wasn't there? He's too I nice. I would lo- fucking love too Dev Patel. Nice. He's just got these, it's those puppy dog eyes. He's just a nice, I heard this, I, he's just, he's got a sweetness to him like that. You're like, I can't imagine him, you know, Someone blooded. a little yeah. rough
2: around the edges. You, you need
1: someone with ice in their veins or can who can turn that on. And I, I, I mean, again, he's an actor, you, you know, actors can do loads of things. But like, Anytime you see Dev Patel, it's always like, ah, look yeah. at that handsome, like, yeah. lovely, lovable chap.
2: Um, Tom Hardy,
1: no, I serious. love Tom Hardy, but he he's a lunatic. Why would I don't want? I want him to be playing lunatic criminals for the rest yeah. of his life. I don't want him to. He's
2: like too rough around the edges yeah. then. Okay,
1: and he's too much cracking like playing head the balls. You don't want to see him kind of do something. You know, let's face it, fucking like pretty one note. You know, like Bond. You want him to kind of keep playing. Weird little peaky blinder lads. Yeah. Um. Any more? Any any other names?
2: I was. I'm. I'm trying to think. No, I think that's it. Because Tom Hardy, I think, was bandied around for a while, and then he kind of fell off the face of the earth. And I think people realised that probably not. But it will be interesting to see.
1: There was a name floated for ages, and I would walk away from this. It is Tom Hiddleston. If that, if they went really, yeah. God no.
2: I love Tom Hiddleston. I think I feel sorry for him after all the Taylor Swift stuff more than anything. I don't think he would. He seems to be no, in his... No, I don't either. Well, there seems, we go back to the pride thing and the ego thing. It's a big thing to be able to say you did Bond. Exactly. But also, I take your point on Daniel Craig having a total banger doing the franchise. I feel like that has put a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why would you walk away if Tom Hiddleston
1: was cast? He's just, he doesn't have, he's, you know... He's a bit too nice as well. He's too nice. And he's like, he doesn't have the old sex appeal and the again, the ice and the veins. He's just like, uh, he's got the public schoolboy thing down but he doesn't have the and he's a good looking chap but he doesn't have I don't know again you want it goes back to the Idris Elba and the Sean Connery thing you want someone who's like kind of dangerous yeah Tom Hiddleston is many things dangerous is not I don't think yeah would call him
2: Taylor Swift would agree um <laughs> she are be
1: good for the team gym.
2: for the for this
1: for Bond team gym for
2: Bond yeah we barely touched on theme tunes. Uh, is there anyone you'd love to see do it? Obviously, we had Billie Eilish just gone. Mm-hmm. Adele, probably the best one in a while. Oh, Sam Smith, people were... I like it. I didn't mind it either. And it seemed like people were really cold on it either at the time. And then I don't know if it was like a bit revisionist where they were like, no, it was shite, whatever. And then I don't know if it was just because of the movie. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. see,
1: if if, it, if a theme tune gets tied to a bad movie, it gets a bad... Some of the worst Bond movies have the best theme tunes. Times are forever. True, fa- listen to Diamonds Are Forever. Diamonds yeah,
2: forever, forever. yeah I won't. Everyone knows how it goes. Um, yeah. is there anyone else
1: you'd love to see do it? Um, I would love to see um, Matt. get Seamat in there. Yes, uh, yeah.
2: let's a manifest it now.
1: Bond tune.
2: Oh my god, she would do a whopper one. Yeah, imagine.
1: I know. And the video will be lit.
2: She would be bonding it. She'd be doing Bond. the whole, yeah, yeah. point, yeah, point, like Dwight, blood Robbie going down the
1: Robbie Williams was bonding. Millennium was it? I remember of course. Like oh yeah. Out in the field with a jetpack and all.
2: Yeah. Um. Peter, any? What's our elevator pitch for anyone listening? Uh, to go away and basically watch this, and for them to no longer consider Her Majesty's Secret Service as a flop.
1: Um. It has some. It has got Outside Outside Casino Royale, it's got the best filmmaking of the whole series. It's got everything you want from Bond film in terms of like the jokes and the gags and the the action or whatever done the best it's ever been done but it's also probably one of like three with an actual emotional heart and I think that emotional stuff has been done the best so it's just a great time at the movies.
2: (laughs) Um, If people want to find out more about you where are you? What are you doing? Anything to plug?
1: On the gram and What's your handle? Peter J McGann.
2: Peter J McGann. Very and funny.
1: Same on Twitter. Um, you
2: you, put, you could put up any video and I won't have watched it. I'll just share it to my story because I because I know it's funny. I'm just like uh, I'm gonna laugh at this. I'm gonna
1: start testing you now with like a uh, slight. You're gonna be checking. Uh, uh, oh no! Uh, I do appreciate the shares, you know, from from my betters.
2: Oh, uh, so but, good, yeah. so good. Please check Peter out. Anything else? Um, I don't know when this no. is coming out. So be careful of dates.
1: Okay, then I suppose keeping an anything eye- from September maybe is good. There's. Probably
2: are you going to be in anything?
1: Get Up, G-U-T-F, uh, the Tony Cantwell and Shane Danbury yes. morning show. There, All the episodes could be out by now. There's only like four of them. But if not, keep an eye out for them. And if they are out, go watch them because yep. they're very funny.
2: Like, share, comment. They are extremely... Extremely funny. Peter, it has been a pleasure to have you on Flock Culture. I'd love to have you back. I'm not going to say, because you pitched two things and I'm not going to say the other thing yes. in case you do come back and we talk about it. But um, a pleasure and can't wait to chat to you again.
1: This has been a blast. Thanks, man.
2: Peter McGann there speaking to me about On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which you can find somewhere to watch on the internet. They were on Prime, but I don't think any of them are on Prime now. Did Peter kill the Queen? A great question I wonder we did not get to because we recorded that prior to her death and um, so questions still remain maybe he'll come back if he is not in hiding which I'd imagine he is I'd imagine he is finally let's get into who is top of the flops this week
1: you're a flop
2: top of the flops this week will come as no surprise to anyone who is also watching house of the dragon We've got two. We've got two people taking the top spot this week and it is Sir Kristen, whatever the fuck his name is, and Queen Alison Hightower from House of the Dragon. I've never met two fictional characters who are bigger dweebs, honestly, because this week we've had the, the time jump. So we've had Emma Darcy and Olivia Cook taking over in the roles of Rhaenyra and Alison, uh, respectively. And I mean, I said it on my Instagram, but every iota of feminism leaves my body when Alcind comes on screen because she's a jealous wagon and she's raging the shit to marry an old, like an old man, which not her fault. I get that. But you know what? Who were, who do you think you are being friends with? Kristen, who's also absolutely snapping now because like, because he, because Renera turned him down in a way, but also didn't was like, Hey, we can still have a thing. You can still be my little side boo side thing and he was like absolutely not not understanding the importance of the crown and upholding that obviously she's the heir she has to stay there now the two of them are absolute busy mates excuse me snivelling walking around the halls of the castle bitching about everyone get a life also like I Alicent and Viserys children like are we surprised are we surprised that they are also weirdo dweebs weirdo evil dweebs they give me evil vibes I think that's what's being foreshadowed haven't read the books have no intention of reading the books the vibes are not good absolutely heinous septic vibes from that family and I feel like they're gonna get together do we think there is Sir Kristen and Alison are gonna get together that's my fear and I'll be cross to be honest I will be cross anyway enjoying the series though is anyone else I am enjoying it very much looking forward to seeing what happens next. Uh, Daddy Damon always in my heart even though he is another exceptionally evil man. But yeah top of the flops, Sir Kristen and Queen Allison Hightower uh, get a life respectively. I don't care that you're fictional characters. Get lives, get hobbies thank you so much for listening we are on instagram and tiktok under flop underscore pod you can get in touch at helloflopculture at gmail.com if you leave a five-star review and your name or nickname on apple podcasts i will recommend a bop or a flop to you uh, you can also leave a five-star review on spotify today's bop is for let me bring up your name dave 9389 and they say delighted to have fiona walla back in my eardrums queen of pop culture can't wait for more eps very much appreciated Dave that is a reference to the cameo I got from Sonia Morgan in which she unequivocally cannot pronounce my name it's extremely entertaining Dave your bop this week is Diddy Dirty Money Diddy's ill-fated supergroup that spawned not a a lot of hits to be honest he did try the three of them did try didn't they Um, they had Coming Home with Skylar Grey that's not what I'm going to recommend to you just go and just go and check out the discography because you know what it's not long it's actually really not long there's maybe like four songs Uh, Hello Good Morning Ass on the Floor with Swizz Beats Excellent I'll get you motivated I'll get you rightly motivated for the weekend appreciate having you here Dave hope you stick around hope the rest of you stick around for next week's episode we will see you then today's podcast has been edited by Adam Shannon artwork as always by Brian Lambert and I will see you next week (laughs) Goodbye.